All right, welcome everyone to the Ben and Corey podcast. I'm Corey Novotny. And I'm Benjamin Carlson. We're joined today by guest host Brian Wells. Thanks for having me back, guys. For those of you who have been listening since the beginning, you'll probably remember Brian from our MLB season preview episode back in March. We hope the three of us can bring you another fun and entertaining episode. As a reminder, please rate and review and subscribe or follow the Ben and Corey podcast on both SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. So with that, let's get started. The NBA free agency period is underway and several superstars have made their decisions on where they will be playing this season, including LeBron James committing to join the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll talk about all the notable signings and tell you what they mean for the 2018-2019 NBA season. The 2018 FIFA World Cup has provided lots of entertainment in Russia, and we are down to the final eight nations. We'll recap the early round action and make our predictions for the quarterfinals and beyond. Danica Patrick is set to host the 2018 ESPYs this month, and ESPN has announced the nominees for each award. We'll talk about the great teams, athletes, and sports moments of the past year, and debate whoever deserves to win best team, best game, best male athlete, and best female athlete, and more. And in honor of Canada Day, the three of us debate our favorite things from our neighbors to the north in today's top five. We hope you guys enjoyed our ESPYs-themed intro. Uh, It'll be a very fun topic to cover later in the podcast. But before we get to that, let's start things off with NBA free agency. And what better way to start that topic than talking about the most prized free agent of the 2018 summer, LeBron James, electing to go to Hollywood and join the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, this was huge. I mean, obviously, every time LeBron James decides where he's going to be playing basketball, it's huge. But this one felt low-key to me. Well, it was definitely a better process than what he did last time when he went to the Miami Heat and announcing it like from the Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was surprised how quickly he made the decision just on the second day of free agency. But um, I know both of you guys said that the Lakers were going to end up signing LeBron. I thought early on he would choose Philly because I thought that was a better situation for him uh, from a basketball perspective. But in terms of you know his marketing, his entertainment, and just the idea of being out in L.A., um, he signed a four-year deal, which is unlike any of the one-year, two-year deals he signed with the Cavs. So I think he's he's very much in it for a lot of reasons that go beyond just his uh, the remainder of his playing career. But I think uh, overall, the Lakers seemed like the destination he was going to go to if he was going to leave Cleveland again. That was the biggest reason why I figured he was going to L.A. Like a lot of people that I talked to thought it had to be Philly or Houston, like based on um, best chance to win a ring. But I really thought it would be uh, the Lakers still just based on his basketball interests and 
also is entertainment interest. Agreed. Yeah, it's like a big part of it that LeBron James is not going to play basketball forever. And getting set up in L.A. already will make his transition to life as a celebrity after basketball a lot easier. Yeah, and it. I think that's that's very much a big big uh, factor in his decision to go out go to LA and I think it's really interesting given the fact that the expectation was he was going to go there and have a few superstars join him Uh, one of those I think a lot of people thought would be Paul George given the fact that he said he wanted to go to LA and sign with the Lakers last year when he was still on the Pacers but he surprised a lot of people a move that I know Ben is a big fan of by deciding to stick around in Oklahoma City (laughs) long term now if you remember talking about this on the podcast before, I said that I'd already come to terms with the fact, the inarguable fact that Paul George was leaving because every single analyst, this is my first NBA free agency that I've really paid attention to where I've actually like known who was moving and made predictions as to where they were going. And every single analyst said there is absolutely irresponsible to even think that Paul George would even consider the possibility of staying in Oklahoma City. I had come to terms with the fact that he was long gone, okay? But my man, PG, can't coming through and deciding to stick around with his buddy, Russell Westbrook, and I know in this age of super teams that there's still not a great chance that the two of them will get a ring this season. But as a fan of the Oklahoma City Thunder, I couldn't be happier uh, that Paul George is sticking around. And I, I you know what? I, I, I think that there's uh, that the Thunder have a much brighter future as a result because he's not just sticking around for one year. He signed a three-year contract with a one-year option. Uh, my man, Paul George, I, I know one thing's for sure. I'm going to be buying that man's jersey. Props to him for staying. Like, you, you really think he was going to go to L.A.? I mean, I think every single person did. That was definitely the biggest surprise of free agency so far. Well, how does that yeah. how does that affect LeBron though? Because I like, I feel like a lot of people expected it. Maybe even LeBron did. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think I think eventually, um, whether if it's next year or beyond, I think there will be other free agents like going to LA. Because one, it's LA, and two, it's LeBron. Right. Right. Yeah, I think um, given the fact that George decided to stay in Oklahoma City uh the Lakers they're not going to put themselves in a position to be able to compete with Golden State or even Houston this year um and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, a couple other signings with Chris Paul sticking around with the Rockets not that was necessarily a huge surprise um but him and James Harden together they almost beat the Warriors last year and if not for Chris Paul's injury they very good chance they would have been the NBA champions. Right, and also, if not for going 0 for 27 on threes. Yeah, yes. Uh, but the Houston did show that they, they have what it takes. Um, and I I don't think that a LeBron Lakers team by himself is enough to uh, even, you know, maybe even not even get out of the first round in the Western Conference. It's certainly I- much more difficult than in the East. I think their supporting cast is a little bit better than what he had in Cleveland, though, because especially if um, Kuzma and Ingram and if and if Ball's still there, like all those guys could develop into better players. Right, and don't forget yeah, about yeah. Uh, adding Rondo as well. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think uh, my my favorite part of that is that Lance Stevenson is uh, teaming up with LeBron now, one of his his uh, arch rivals. Yeah, did not so. stop laughing when I first heard the news. Yeah, so we'll see how that dynamic plays out. 
Um, but a another big signing in the NBA that <laughs> definitely has a lot of people upset is DeMarcus Cousins electing to join forces with Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green in Golden State on just a one-year $5.3 million deal. And uh, that's that's a already loaded team that has a chance to really easily win three in a row, right? The NBA season is canceled next yeah, year. Yeah, they're already uh, getting his ring size uh, for DeMarcus Cousins because they, they've got it. No one can compete with that starting five. They already couldn't compete with the four, okay? And now they, they've only improved. It it actually blows my mind. And, and I'm a, I would say I'm an NFL fan first, and that is the league that I'm most concerned with. Uh, so, like, that's the one that I know free agency the best and uh, the inner workings of the league. I don't know NBA free agency as well, but something's clearly broken. Well, what's broken is that it's too top-heavy. Like, too top-heavy of a league. I mean, like... At least when LeBron went to Miami, like you didn't know for sure that he he'd win a championship like that coming year. Like you knew they'd you know at least be competing. But I mean, like first year they lost to Dallas and they only won two out of four. But like with KD going there and Boogie Cousins, like you already know that the Warriors are going to win the t- the championship. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much the third year in a row that it's seemingly a foregone conclusion. Uh, I'll, I know a lot of people are upset that Cousins would choose to go to Golden State. I don't know how many other options he had. Uh, pretty much any team that had the the max salary cap space or close to it wasn't willing to sign him because either there are concerns about his character and his locker room presence or simply the fact that he tore his Achilles in January and he's only going to be available about half of the season. Um, so in terms of that, Golden State... Maybe you know only a five point three million dollar deal versus a mid level exception of like eight million he could assign with maybe some other teams, but I do think personally this is a a good potential situation for him. But you're already talking about a guy who has a lot of question marks um, for his uh, beyond just basketball playing abilities on the court has injury concerns. Now he's the fourth or fifth best player on an already championship team next year. I don't think he's gonna put himself in a position to turn himself into a max player again even if he's healthy it's crazy when you look at their lineup because i texted uh cory and other people about this like which lineup would you rather have the warriors starting lineup or Kyrie, porzingis oladipo um Embiid, and Giannis? like <laughs> it's a tough call that's the east starting lineup right there or the Warriors. Like, I, I think I would actually take the Warriors. Right. I mean, this, I mean, if it wasn't true already with just LeBron leaving, like, the East is absolutely irrelevant. Uh, it's, you got to hope for one of these powerhouses in the West to potentially maybe have a shot at dethroning the Warriors, but whoever comes to the finals. Or the Celtics. Well, <laughs> actually, I would be interested in hearing you guys' perspective on that because they, they've basically punched their ticket to the finals, right? But, I mean, seemingly. Yeah. I mean, you Philly. still have the Sixers. Yeah. The, the Raptors don't have LeBron in their path, so someone else the has to be no them. The Raptors, no, yeah, not the Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I do think that the Celtics are the clear favorites in the East now. Uh, given a healthy Gordon Hayward and no chemistry concerns reintroducing Kyrie 
and Hayward into that uh, starting five. But I do think that uh, overall the Warriors are still the team to beat and know the Celtics, even if they make it to the finals, probably are not going to have any better of a showing than uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers did this past finals when they were swept. Mm -hmm. No, they'll no, they'll definitely have a better showing than the Cavs did, and you know why? Because they'll know how much time is left on the clock, or what the score is, <laughs> with five seconds left on the clock. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, Maybe the, five like, games. The Cavs. Yeah. I mean, you got to feel sorry for like Cavs fans moving forward. There's absolutely no hope. Like it com- starting no. completely from scratch. Yep, they're pretty much in the same situation they were in a few years ago. They have Colin Sexton now from the draft, but. They don't really have any hope of getting back to where they have been um, during the past four years with LeBron without completely bottoming out and starting over at this point. Kevin Love can go back to shooting, you know, 20 <laughs> points per game, 10 point, ten rebounds a game like he did in Minnesota. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kevin Love. Um, real quickly, so Ka- Kawhi Leonard... Uh, he made it clear that he wants to leave San Antonio, which I know we've, we've talked about that in the past on this podcast, what's going to happen with that. Uh, it sounds like the Spurs want to do whatever they can to keep him, but realistically, they're, they've got to be listening on offers. Do you guys have any uh, predictions in terms of what's going to happen with Kawhi? I honestly can't think of any because the only two teams that I think are realistic are Philly and LA. And I mean, for Philly, like, I mean, they don't. They wouldn't have to give up, you know, Embiid, uh, Simmons, or Fultz. But even just giving up like Saric or Covington or, or draft picks, like that's kind of much for just a one a possible one year one rental. I mean, unless if they can hope that they can pull a Paul George and like hope he stays after one year, um, like that would be ideal. But I don't think they could expect that from the same from Kawhi. And for LA, like what? can they trade away besides like obviously they're not gonna trade LeBron away but like are they really gonna trade away Kuzma and Ingram like um like just to have LeBron Kawhi like hoping to beat the Warriors just by themselves yeah I think if if you're the Lakers and you want to be smart about this you wait a year and then pick up Kawhi next year I like trading like trading the house for him now isn't building for the future. LeBron has an opportunity to take this young talent that he has and have sustainable success moving forward. Uh, so I, I hope that he doesn't jump. They, well, I say he implying that he's like the general manager, like he was in Cleveland, but <laughs> uh, you know, it, I think it would make sense for them to buy their time and wait till next year and try to get him then. Yeah. As a Celtics fan, I certainly wouldn't want the Celtics to give up any key pieces for the future for one year of Kawhi Leonard and to have him bolt to LA in the offseason so um, and that's the reason why I didn't even consider Boston because I don't even think they would even um consider trading um Kyrie obviously Gordon and then Tatum and Brown have been news a lot about giving them away for for Kawhi but like do you really want to give up 10 years of those guys for um one year of Kawhi does not make sense to me, especially given the uh, the Warriors became even more of a super team than they are uh, this offseason. So, uh, but it is you know having that Kawhi Leonard situation. Uh, I think that'll keep the NBA offseason uh, very entertaining for a little longer than just after all the the big free agents sign. But with that, 
let's move on to our next topic, and that is the 2018 FIFA World Cup from Russia. Oh, baby. This World Cup has been so good. And, uh, and I know that that sounds blasphemous to our probably largely American crowd <laughs> because the United States didn't even make it, but this World Cup has been fantastic. Uh, too much to talk about in the group stage because there's so many games, uh, but I, there is one group that I wanted to focus on, which was Group F, uh, which had Germany, Mexico, uh, South Korea, and Sweden. So this, I mean, with just the the top three, I guess you would say that Sweden, Mexico, and Germany, uh, this was a hard group to predict. But I don't think anybody predicted what was going to actually happen because Mexico defeated Germany in their first game, first time in history that Mexico's e- ever defeated Germany. Uh, and then Germany had a last-second absolute clutch free kick from Cruz to help them defeat Sweden and keep their hopes alive at advancing and uh, in a dramatic game three which both group F games uh, were happening simultaneously Mexico absolutely fell apart against Sweden losing 3-0 after winning their first two games and looked like they were about to be sent home if not for South Korean heroics against the Germans Uh, South Korea ended up winning 2-0 and uh, sending Germany packing, uh, and Mexico was very thankful to South Korea. So it was just, it was absolutely a uh, dramatic finish to that, sending Mexico forward, but Mexico did not look confident uh, moving forward, uh, and Sweden was actually rolling after after all of that. Uh, did you guys catch any of these Group F games? <laughs> yeah, Group F? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. So I, I have not been actively watching the World Cup, but I have been actively following all of the matches. Uh, it's a little tougher for me as a not a huge soccer fan who uh, the appeal to the World Cup was the U.S. men's national team being a part of it. But uh, this and they couldn't even make it. No, no, but it, it has certainly been um, entertaining to this point with Group F highlighting that in the group stage. I thought yeah, after Mexico beat Germany, we were looking at really something special in Mexico. And then when you get to that final day, you're like, wait a sec, Mexico just got trounced by Sweden. And it turned out that it was uh, Germany just was not not ready for the group of death and uh, ultimately upset by South Korea. So yeah, it was certainly I'm a glad. shock that the defending cup champions are, are not in the tournament anymore. I'm glad they're not in the tournament anymore because I don't have to see the German coach, you know, pick his nose and scratch his <laughs> ass all the on every replay. Yeah, and it, it this that's been something that's special about this World Cup is that no one is safe. Seemingly, uh, we've also we we've seen uh, you know big names go down, starting with Germany and uh, and, and moving forward into the knockout stage. Uh, it seems like everyone has a chance at winning this cup. So, uh, so yeah, well, I'll quickly run through the knockout stage round of sixteen uh, because we had some absolute stunners uh first off we had france versus versus argentina a game that promised to be a shootout and it didn't disappoint uh we got to see the speed of mbappe on full display uh the man had a brace based on his speed alone and he forced a pk uh on a he was basically breaking away towards goal but forced a foul uh and griezmann was able to convert uh, convert the pk uh, but the shots all day were unstoppable. The the keepers could have stayed home because everybody on the field was shooting lasers at the at the goal, especially Benjamin Pavard, a French defender. If you haven't seen his goal yet, I, I encourage you to check it out. It was on the volley, 
hits it with the outside of his foot and it just it's on a rope and it's headed straight for the for the upper 90 the the spin on the ball is just magic and it's it was an amazing display i know a lot of times soccer gets uh criticized for being a boring low low scoring sport but flopping yeah well flopping is not (laughs) exclusive to soccer and uh but seven goals in this matchup that yeah. ended up sending Messi home. Another reminder that soccer is a team sport, and you, you, it's difficult to have consistent success uh, with just a star player, even if that player is arguably the best in the world. Uh, keeping it rolling here, Uruguay versus Portugal. Uh, it was the Edison Cavani show here. His brace propelled them past uh Portugal unfortunately he was sent off with injury uh, so their future is in is a question mark but Uruguay also have the likes of uh, Luis Suarez and they're they're a talented team throughout so uh, still hopeful yep. to continue moving forward uh, Russia versus Spain now we want to talk about upsets here is an upset Ru- uh, Spain a, a very deep team with a lot of talent on it Russia the host country the only team playing home games uh, during this tournament and they uh russia was able to equalize after going down uh one nil thanks to a pk from uh that was from a handball from the spanish player named pk uh and that (laughs) was able to keep them in the game long enough to force pks which uh igor akin Akinfeev, I believe it's the the Russian goalkeeper. He came up huge with two saves, and Russia made all four of their PK attempts to send Spain home in an absolutely just uh, like the most surprising upset that I've seen in this. Uh, tournament. That that last save with his his foot as he was going in the opposite direction, just unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like yeah. I mean, everybody's saying like. There's got to be Russian collusion going on here, but really they just played the game smart. They, they, I mean, yep. uh, they had a interview with the with Igor after the game, and he even said it. He's he was like, "We were playing for PKs, and it worked because Spain is uh, just a on paper is a much better team." But uh, in soccer, the on paper better team doesn't always win. So Russia moved forward, and uh, they definitely looked like the weakest team to make it to the final eight. But good for them on their home soil. Uh, keeping this thing going, uh, Croatia versus Denmark was a uh, instantly exciting game with goals in the first and third minutes uh, that that a stalemate that lasted until PKs and the goalies especially Kasper Schmeichel for Denmark uh, were just alive in this one with blocks uh, with blocking shots all over the place which is not typical for PKs a lot of times if you get a stop it's usually because they missed or uh, you just happen to be lucky but these guys were seeming to read the minds of the uh people taking shots and uh but croatia was able to come out on top at at the end of that pk shootout uh and and at this point i mean like having both games in that day go to pks it was so exciting uh watching those first four games the when the excitement slows down a little bit unfortunately and for me it was mexico versus brazil uh i mean mexico had looked so good until they got trounced by sweden and it looked like they just uh, you know, mentally weren't there going up against a better Brazil team. Mexico needed to defy the odds to defeat uh, Neymar and his boys, but uh, you know Brazil was just thoroughly better than them, especially in the second half. Mexico got worn down; they looked exhausted, and uh, Brazil just took care of business. Nothing super exciting about that, but Brazil still very much a, one of the favorites to 
win the whole thing. Belgium versus Japan, a game that looked to be already set in uh, set in stone that Belgium be moving forward. They're super stacked, and Japan barely made it in. They were the team that had less yellow cards than... Uh, I forgot what country, but there was a country that was literally sent home because they got more yellow cards than Japan. So, Senegal? Yeah, it was Senegal. And uh, so, you know, Japan, seemingly the least deserved to make it forward, uh, scored two on Belgium. They were up 2-0 in the second half, and Belgium just went on an absolute tear, and they were able to end it 3-2 in regular time. It's uh, just showing you... Is there any way like to think of a better tiebreaker like if if you have the same amount of goals and goals against like is there any possible way of thinking of a better tiebreaker than i mean that, they than yellow, yellow cards? cards gets is pretty far down the list because i think they 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 had the same goal differential goals for and goals against like they were just they had the exact same performance <laughs> up until that point uh, and they even tied against each other so it was uh it, they have to do it some way i think if you have the same amount of yellow cards and I, I, I want to say red cards probably get go into that too. Uh, yeah, I but think I, red cards are two points versus yellow cards are one. Right, and and eventually they would go down to a coin flip, which in my opinion, yep. yellow cards essentially are that. Like it was like four <laughs> yellow cards to six yellow cards. Like there's no. Uh, so anyways, like the thing is, Japan lost anyways. So uh, and Belgium <laughs> are moving forward. Uh, today in a battle between two countries that I struggle to differentiate between, Sweden defeated Switzerland. Uh, and uh, th- this afternoon, England, Colombia, a, a an absolute nail biter. Uh, England scored on a Harry Kane PK, and we're seemingly owning the matchup. Uh, James Rod- Rodriguez from Colombia out with an injury. He's Colombia's best player. Uh, They're only well, and well, <laughs> and and they were playing well despite his absence, but. England looked like the stronger side through the first 90 minutes, but in stoppage time, Colombia are able to convert one. And in extra time, it looked like Colombia were the more fit team. England looked deflated after having this, like they were so close to victory, but, uh, and Colombia is able to sneak one in, but in a uh, dramatic PK shootout, the, uh, the, the British keeper, which is uh, what is his name? I can only think of their backup, Jack Butland. It's um, <laughs> Jordan Pickford from Everton. He's a uh, he was able to come up with a, a huge stop, and uh, Eric Dyer converts on the fifth attempt to send England to the next round. And uh, everyone is saying it's coming home. That's their uh, that is their mantra with the World Cup because England haven't won it in a very long time. I think since the '60s. And they're uh, they're they're praying that this is their year. With all these titans falling, uh, England see their, their their path to the championship uh, is is looking uh, you know possible. So, yeah, absolute like stunner this World Cup. I can't wait to keep <clears throat> watching. Oh yeah, um, just like some quick thoughts. You were going on a roll there, so I wasn't trying to cut you off too much. I was very much hoping that we would see. Messi versus Ronaldo or Messi versus Suarez in the quarterfinals, but France ruined that. Uh, but yeah, four to three. You don't see games like that very often in soccer, so it's definitely a very entertaining one to watch. Um, and so the the Belgium 
and England also were in a situation with that uh, where it could come down to fair play and yellow and red cards. And I thought it was kind of funny how people were saying it would be better for those teams to lose their final matchup with the idea that the winner would probably have to face Germany, but Germany did not advance. So uh, Belgium's win got them Japan, while England uh, was able to to knock out Colombia regardless. Um, I don't know much about soccer, but... (laughs) With Germany out, Argentina out, Portugal out, I mean, I really can't imagine anyone but Brazil winning when you have guys like Neymar, uh, Coutinho, Thiago Silva. Like, I can't imagine anyone else. I mean, maybe England with Harry Kane, but I really don't see. It's really Brazil's to lose. Well, I'm excited. That's the whole thing, though, is even when you're like clearly the best team on paper, you might not come out on top. It's like that's why we play these games. And I love the variability. So um, predicting the the Mm -hmm. future here, I personally have France going to the championship against England. I'm uh, I'm really convinced that Mbappe is in great form right now and he can potentially make those magic plays that they need and uh and i have france winning it all against england battle a thousand years in the making um why well, i already literally gave my prediction away with yeah. brazil over england yeah i i think brazil is going to knock off france um i think england is going to end russia's run to the you know, throughout this World Cup as well in the semifinals, and then Brazil is going to knock off England in the title match. All right, so two for Brazil, one for France. I can't wait to see what it is. But also, low key, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, trust in England to make it there too. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So I think that means it's going to be Uruguay versus Belgium in one semifinal, while uh, Croatia advances <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> so. All right. Um, so with that, I think we can move on to our next topic, and that is the ESPYs. So the ESPYs are an annual award show that has been hosted by ESPN every year since 1993. Uh, they give out awards to the best athletes, teams, and moments in all of sports from the past year. So that those uh, they're coming up on Tuesday, July 17th. Danica Patrick, the race car driver, is hosting it, and we thought we would go and kind of talk about some of our our uh, favorite moments of the year by going through some of the major awards that are up for grabs, starting with the best male athlete. So we have Jose Altuve, James Harden, Alexander Ovechkin, and Tom Brady up for debate. Two champions, two MVPs. Who are you guys liking in this category? Well, can I start off by saying who I'm not voting for? And that's <laughs> definitely James Harden. Because I, I have a serious problem with him winning the MVP. Don't get me wrong. James Harden, amazing basketball player, had a great year. But he was worse in every statistic than LeBron James. Can someone explain to me why he's MVP over over uh, LeBron James? I did not even know that <laughs> until yeah, now. Yeah, he scored less points, played in less games, played less minutes. Like you can, you can, uh, like some. I think it was Bleacher Report made like a uh, graphic of it. He was literally worse than him in in every statistic, but he's uh, considered. I think part of it's also just because like the Cavs finished fourth in the yeah, East, his team won six first in the West. Games. A lot of times, like teams do come into play, and it doesn't matter that people are just so used to LeBron being great that it's it's hard to 
to qualify it. Um, but yeah, certainly you could make the argument that LeBron is the most valuable player in the year every single year, just knowing the impact that he has on teams, knowing that he he turned the Lakers from a 30-win team and probably going to win 50 games and be a finals contender this year. So I, I do agree that LeBron would be a more more reasonable choice as both MVP and best male athlete. Right, right. and for that reason alone, I can't, I can't, if, if James Harden wins this, I can't. I would have James Harden last in that category too. Yeah, I have James Harden last on my list. Um, as much as I don't necessarily want him to win, I do think Tom Brady is probably the most deserving here, uh, especially given the fact that he had such a great MVP season at 40 years old. But Jose Altuve, Alex Ovechkin, both won championships in their sports. I could certainly see Ovechkin stealing it, just knowing, uh, you know, that the the Capitals are such recent winners. There could be some of that recency bias into play. But definitely, I kind of have a strong take on it. Um, yeah, go for it. Even though I'm a Patriots fan, um, you know, Tom Brady was obviously magnificent like last season, and obviously they wouldn't have had a chance without him in the Super Bowl. And I'm I love Jose Altuve. He's He's the man. That's all I can say. But I think my choice would actually go with Alex Ovechkin. And I think the biggest reason why is because he really learned what it took to win to win a Stanley Cup. You know, you saw in like in his early years of his career, like it was really just, you know, those those one timers on the power on the power plays and he wouldn't do much else on defense. I mean, if you take a look at his stats in the early year of his career, like he'd have consistently like 40 50 goals but his plus minus would be like in the like negatives like like one as bad as like negative 35 at one point which is like showing you that he literally does not did not care at, at all on defense at one point even worse than james harden is um but i think throughout the playoffs this year coming down from o, uh 2-0 from uh columbus finally being pittsburgh coming down from 3-2 against tampa and then winning a stanley cup um, and then, you know, just showing what it really took to win a Stanley Cup. Like, I I respect that much more than, you know, KD just, you know, hopping on the Golden State bandwagon and, like, taking the easy way to a championship. So I think my vote would actually go to Ovechkin. I, I'm with you on that, Brian. I echo that sentiment. I think that it's uh, – this is kind of a magical year for Ovechkin because of – mainly because of the ending but also just because he shows greatness like he always does so i think if i had to pick out of here i would i would go with alex just over tom brady because uh it's easy to overlook tom brady's greatness because he's so consistently amazing um but i think that this year is really special for uh ovechkin yeah i completely agree yeah ovechkin did get that championship this year which brady did not it'll be interesting to see if voters uh pick the hockey guy though so move- it's not gonna happen <laughs> Moving on, best female athlete. So, um, to me, I think Chloe Kim just what she did in the Olympics. Well, hold on, read, um, read the read the candidates. Yeah. So the okay. So the options are Sylvia Fowles, uh, Michaela Schiffrin, Chloe Kim, and Julie Ertz. And I think based on her performance in the Olympics on that national stage, Chloe is going to win this award. And I don't have too much of an argument to say as to why she shouldn't win it. Just given that everybody can support an American uh, when it comes to the Olympics if you're voting for uh, an American network television award show. 
This is going to sound terrible, but I know nothing about the four choices. <laughs> the only thing I, the only one I kind of know is Julie Ertz, and that's only because she's married to Zach Ertz, the Eagles tight end. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> so I guess my vote would go to her just because. Well, of that. I, and that, I feel like that's the reason why I can't vote for her because even though I do, I have seen her play uh, soccer. I more than like I more frequently hear of her because of her husband. Uh, and and right. I mean, there's no, there's not a problem with that, but I feel like her sports accomplishments are overshadowed, overshadowed by her marriage, uh, especially when we have Chloe Kim in this category and she killed it uh, and really represented the United States on the world stage. So I, I don't, I think that she's the clear choice for best female athlete. I shouldn't be allowed to have a vote on this category. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could make an argument for Sylvia Fowles, um, just given how much she has dominated the WNBA. But I think from a popularity standpoint, Chloe Kim is it's her award to lose. So let's move on to the best team. And we have several nominees in this category, both professional, college, and international. And that is the Houston Astros, the Philadelphia Eagles, the USA women's ice hockey team, Notre Dame women's basketball, Villanova men's basketball, the Golden State Warriors, and the Washington Capitals. So I think it would be easy to say the Warriors, but I don't even think that this past Warriors team was the best of the Warriors teams that we've seen in recent years. So they're out for me. Um, And I think if I had to take a look at this, I'm very much leaning towards the Philadelphia Eagles. Beyond the fact that they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the fact Come that on. they they lost their star MVP candidate quarterback Carson Wentz in December, threw out a backup quarterback for the final weeks of the regular season and the entire playoffs, and still were good enough to win the Super Bowl, uh, I think that they proved that they were the most complete championship team for that reason, and that's why they're my best team. Yeah, I, I have to... I'm with you on that, Corey. I mean, especially because of the way everyone threw them out. Like, they were so clearly dominant all season long, and everyone wrote them off once Carson Wentz was down. But this team is very well coached and uh, stacked through and through. They had depth. So, uh, that like, that whole season is kind of just a storybook ending. Like, to have the main man go down, but then to put in Nick Foles and all the doubt surrounding him, and to, to defeat Tom Brady in what, like, could be argued as his best Super Bowl performance ever. Like, it's uh, I don't know how you can top that. And this was to get the city's first ring too. So I, I don't know. I, I'm uh, I'm totally behind the Eagles for this one. Well, if I wasn't biased, I'd probably pick the Philadelphia Eagles also. But because I am, <laughs> I'd pick a different team, and I'd probably go with. I mean, I hate to say what I did, like for the best male athlete but i also would take the washington capitals for best team i just think i mean Corey, you said like the eagles were the mo- one of the most complete teams in sports like you could also i can i think you could also make a case for the capitals as well they had one of the best one of the best goaltenders in the league with Braden holpe they had probably in my opinion the best power play with ovechkin backstrom carlson kuznetsov and oshi like i mean that's just such a great power play right there and and just the fact that they finally won their first 
Stanley Cup in in their team history, and you know, the, and in the fashion that they did it in. So, I would also, I trust me, I am not a Capitals <laughs> fan right yeah. now, even though I'm acting like it. Like that's that would be my choice. Yeah, I think the the Capitals are certainly a fair argument here for very similar reasons as the Eagles, and very easily could win it uh, given the fact that they did recently win. I think that if these awards happened a few months ago, uh, the Astros would have a much better chance just given the fact that they won a World Series a month after Hurricane Harvey, uh, knowing all the, the damage that had in the Houston area and beyond. But I do think that the fact that they haven't won in the longest, it's been October, they're going to be overlooked for that reason. It's beyond the fact that they also play baseball, which is not as quite as popular as some of the other sports are going up against. Um, and I do think there can be a case made about Villanova men's basketball because I think college basketball this year um, in the men's side was totally unpredictable throughout the season, throughout the tournament. Yet the one thing consistent was Villanova always at the top and they proved that they were the best team and the true like number one championship team in a a year when everyone else had identity crises every single week it seemed like so no i i agree with you on like on the baseball point because i really thought the cubs should have won it the year before like after you know finally winning after a hundred like 108 years what, 10 years yeah, yeah. 108 years of not winning a world series and the red Sox, and you know a few years ago with everything that happened in the Boston bombing like I mean I really thought both of those teams should have deserved to deserve to win best team but it's like what you said it's probably just because you know their their championship is in October and you know these awards are given out in in July yep so we'll we'll see what happens with that um but moving on to the best championship performance we have George Springer of the Houston Astros Nick Foles of the Philadelphia Eagles, Kevin Durant of the Golden State Warriors, and Dante DiVincenzo of Villanova men's basketball. I don't think Kevin Durant is deserving of this award. Yeah, how is he even um, on this list? Yeah. He won finals <laughs> he MVP. He was terrible in game one. He won finals MVP. I think Stephen Curry easily could have won it. Um, he should have won finals MVP. And it's only because he sucked in game yeah, three. Yeah, that's, that's really what it came down to. Um George Springer, I think, had a very good World Series, but I think he'll easily be overlooked compared to who he's going up against. DiVincenzo was great in the championship. He didn't even start for Villanova. I think overall, if you look at the NCAA tournament as a whole, you can kind of bring him down a little bit. And to me, Nick Foles is a backup quarterback. 372 yards, three touchdowns, he even caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl, led the Eagles to an improbable victory over the Patriots in a, a shootout. I think Nick Foles, to me, that was the best championship performance. My vote would also go to Nick Foles. I mean, to come in late in the season um, with a team like that, um, Ray, Ray for a, you know, a Super Bowl win, um, and for everyone, including myself, to write him off, like not even thinking they'd have a chance, like just because quarterback is such an important position and he's a backup and. Um, even though the Patriots defense is obviously like was not ideal in that game, like Nick Foles made some incredible throws. Like he had that really nice throw to Alshon Jeffrey in the first quarter. And then he had that 
Um, he had a he had a touchdown catch in the second quarter to end the half, and then he had the another really nice throw to Corey Clement. Um, and then that, and then he had a um, a really great late drive to um, to seal it. So my vote would also go to Nick Foles. Yeah, I mean, you guys have said it all. It's obviously Nick Foles. Backup quarterback defeats the best quarterback of all time in the Super Bowl. Ship it. It's done. That's he wins. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're all going to Foles for best championship performance. Moving on, best game and somewhat related. I'm very surprised that Super Bowl 52 is not a nominee here. Uh, but our three choices that we have are Game 5 of the World Series when the Astros defeated the Dodgers in 10 innings, 13-12, to 12. the Rose Bowl when Georgia beat Oklahoma in double overtime, 54-48, to 48, the uh, first-round semifinals of the college football playoff, and Olympic women's ice hockey, USA defeats Canada in a shootout to take home the gold. What are you guys going with in this one here? Because I feel very strongly about one of these games. Well, to go back to your point on this on Super Bowl Fifty Two, like even though I probably would feel much differently if the result was was different, but I actually thought that was a very sloppy game, like from both ends. I mean, obviously the Patriots' defense was trash, but it, the Eagles' defense, as great as they were last year, they weren't much better until the last two minutes of the game. So I actually would not have like if they were a choice i actually would not pick that game like i i would make a case for the Vikings saints divisional round game as a better game than the super bowl um but out of the choices i would go with the rose bowl um well one i did not watch the the women's hockey uh you know u.s canada canada game but i did watch the astros dodgers game but I also fell asleep in the middle of that game because it took almost five hours to play. Um, so I probably can't pick a game that I fell asleep in. So I would go with the Rose Bowl just because of that. Yeah, I would also go with the Rose Bowl. I feel like I'm kind of biased towards football, though, because, uh, I mean, that it sounds really good, the World that uh, World Series Game 5, but... I, I'm the same way. Once baseball starts lasting too long, I, I have other things I have to do, uh, which is definitely disrespectful. But I will so I'll try to. F- You're saying it's disrespectful. I'm a baseball fan and I fell asleep. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. And I'm not really a baseball fan, and I, I couldn't keep my attention on it. But uh, the the Rose Bowl is an absolute shootout. Uh, I love college football overtime. I think it's far superior to uh, the NFL's overtime. And uh, it was a nail biter to the finish. My favorite team won the Super Bowl in overtime, and I still don't like that rule. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. The Rose Bowl was great. Double overtime. Like, I agree. College football overtime is great. Um, but World Series Game 5, that game is one of the greatest baseball games ever. And I know you can say it went on forever because it was a five-hour game and that uh, baseball games, especially in the playoffs, can take too long. But that was a game that you had so many lead changes throughout. The Dodgers went up, then the Astros made comebacks, and the Dodgers uh, went up again. And you think the game is over, and uh, toward the end of the, like in the ninth inning, and the Dodgers are able to send it to extras. But then the Astros win it on a walk off in 10 innings, 13 to 12, 25 runs. You can't have a more exciting baseball game than that. 
And I know it didn't clinch Houston the World Series, but it went a long way given that they only needed to win one game in L.A. versus two. And to me, that's why I think, uh, you know, this was the best game, one of the best games in the sports history. I'm going to say this was the best game in the past year. But I do think the voters will probably be more likely to go and give it to the Rose Bowl. Just like as both of you made the point, football is more exciting than baseball for a lot of people. But I do think that the Game 5 of the World Series with the Astros being the Dodgers is is my best game of the year. And you could say something similar about the, you know, the Cubs-Indians Game 7 the year before. Like, I mean, that took four or five hours to play, but I actually watched the entire thing and yep. not fall asleep. And that was <laughs> probably the best, even though, like, I'm not a Cubs fan. Like, that was probably one of the best baseball games I've ever watched. And there, yep. there is I mean, something to be said about, like the like, the suspense. Like, when you're really invested in that game and you really do care about the outcome having it extend for that long and it, it's almost grueling in like a good way where you're uh like you're finally relieved once it's over that you know who won uh i i can definitely see value in that i think that my anti-baseball bias is showing a little bit too much uh but i it's <laughs> again i i i suppose it sounds like it was a good game yeah, walk-offs, buzzer beaters, those are always great. We have three of those up for Nam here, and I think that uh, it'll be a very deserving award to whoever ends up winning it. And now, finally, the last award that we're going to go through is the best moment. So we have four nominees here. Uh, the Vikings defeating the Saints in the NFC Divisional Round, the Minnesota Miracle, uh, Notre Dame defeats Mississippi State the N- for the NCAA title on a buzzer-beating three-pointer. Golden Knights, first team or first season in franchise history. They advance all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And UMBC knocking off Virginia, the first 16 seed to beat a one seed in the men's tournament. Um, and this one is a very tough one for me. Uh, I think... When you look at it and call it the best moment, that's when I start to say which one should win. Um, Because I think the Golden Knights advancing to the Stanley Cup Finals while their run was insane and amazing, like how an expansion team can make it to the Stanley Cup Finals or to any championship for that matter in any sport. Uh, I don't know if the moment itself is uh, enough for me to say that it's the best one. I think... Uh, UMBC knocking off Virginia. This one, you could say 16 has never beat a one, but it was a 20-point game. I agree from the the 16 over one perspective. That was great, but I don't know if that game can be summed up in an individual moment. It wasn't like there was a a buzzer beater in this one, which Notre Dame beating Mississippi State, that was a buzzer beater. That was a great, great ending, Um, but maybe this is just another case of uh, NFL bias, but I think that uh, the Vikings knocking off the Saints on a walk-off 61-yard touchdown. To me, that was the best moment of uh, the past year. Yeah, for me, that has to be one of the greatest plays I've ever seen, I've ever witnessed uh, myself. That's like one that you could uh, – I mean, everyone knows what you're talking about when you say the Minnesota miracle. And I think your thought process is exactly right. It is a moment, what, like one thing. And in that category, only Notre Dame, Mississippi State really can compete in like for one moment of excitement. But that the uh, 
the Minnesota miracle is just absolutely amazing. A walk-off victory uh, in the playoffs is just, I mean, I mean, a walk-off touchdown for the yeah, to win in the playoffs is just absolutely insane. Uh, so, I, I, again, football bias, but I think that definitely stands above the rest of these moments. Yeah, I had a very tough time with this category. And, um, you know, a 16 over one that's, you know, never happened in the history of college basketball. But, well, it's like what you said, Corey, it was a 20-point game. So, I wouldn't call that. If you're just talking about moment, like, it, as great as it was, it wasn't that close of a game. So, I would... I'd probably cross that one off. And then, like, Golden Knights, it, absolutely incredible for them to make the Stanley Cup, like, as an expansion team. And like you said, in any sport, this is amazing. Um, so, but that's not also really, you know, one moment. So I'd probably cross that one off, too. And Notre Dame buzzer beater over Mississippi State to win the title it is a moment. But I actually enjoyed the um, buzzer beater over UConn much more I especially agree with as that. a Gino yeah. Oyama hater yes, can, can't stand the guy that's a rant for another day yeah. and so I'd have to agree with you guys as a football as a football bias like I would have to go Vikings over Saints with um, the Diggs game winning touchdown yeah and I, I won't be upset if UMBC or Vegas were to win this award just given how unlikely uh, either of their moments were but i do think that just based on the the category itself the the uh vikings knocking off the saints is the most deserving scoring a touchdown in that situation is pretty unlikely too oh absolutely yeah 61 yards uh and it wasn't even a hail mary it was uh throw it down to the sideline and turn into a touchdown but uh moving on before we uh wrap things up let's so so in recent um episodes we've talked about the the uh revolutionary war we've talked about cookouts but because of that you know it could be easy to come up with another fourth of july themed um countdown but we decided to mix it up a little bit and go for something uh not as common at least in the united states in terms of a celebration but we're going to recognize our neighbors to the north in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So top five things from Canada. And the way we did this was you could go with people or just things that were invented or originated in Canada. So all three of us made a list. And I will just give a quick plug to a past podcast. The last time Brian was on, We did our top five favorite celebrities named Brian, and I personally think that was uh, the most enjoyable top five we had. I I think that was a a lot of fun lists and uh, discussions, so I do think at the very least, if you don't want to go back and re-listen to an entire podcast in March, I would check out the top five from that one. And I had the best list (laughs) of Brian's. For sure. As you should, yeah, we, as a Brian. Yeah, we, you, you yeah, we agreed expert. that Brian was the best at knowing Brian's. So knowing that, Brian, how about you lead us off with your number five? Well, I probably don't have a, as great of a list as I did last time. But um, for no, my number five, I went with Patrice Bergeron. Um, there's obviously some Bruins bias in that pick, but there's nothing you could uh, want more from a hockey player than him. Uh you know, a Stanley Cup champion, a guy who's amazing on the power play and the penalty kill, you know, a guy who's won 
like three or four Selkie Selkie trophies, um, and you know just total first class guy um, and player, um, and so that's my choice at number five. Yeah, the Bruins have had a lot of fan favorites over the years, and I think Patrice Bergeron is you know right right at the top of that list. So and another and another thing to add to him, like he also played Game Six of the Stanley Cup against the Chicago Blackhawks with like n- numerous injuries. Like one was like a punctured lung, a torn like separated shoulder, like you know broke. I, I don't I don't know. There are <laughs> all these injuries that I can't even think of that. Hockey that tough. he had, yeah. And he went straight to the hospital, yeah. I think, like yeah. right after they lost. Yep. All right, so Ben, what's your number five? Yeah, I'll go next. And uh, there are a bunch of lists on uh, on the internet of things from Canada. And uh, <laughs> I was trying to – I actually made my list last, so I was making sure I didn't copy any of you guys'. Uh, and one thing that I didn't know that was from Canada is the egg carton. Apparently, it was in the heyday of finding new uses for, like, manufacturing paper and uh, the, a good way to transport eggs without breaking them uh, but keeping them lightweight uh, gave us the egg carton. So, uh, you know, a- after my weekly trip to the grocery store, I make sure I thank Canada that I can get my eggs to and from the <laughs> store with relative ease. Yeah, you know, egg cartons are a very useful thing that I, I wouldn't necessarily think to include on one of my top five favorites, but uh, thinking about it, you, if you're someone who eats eggs all the time, I would not want to have to carry around 12 individual eggs from the store. It's nice to be able to throw them all in one carton. Right, right. And uh, I and also, I just didn't even know that was from Canada, so. Yeah. All right. So my number five is ice hockey. And... Hockey is definitely not one of my, or it's not my favorite sport. It's kind of gets up there somewhere in the middle. Um, I've, I've never played on ice, only floor and knee hockey, but I do really enjoy the sport, uh, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think that the, the hockey playoffs are the best playoffs in all of sports. And, uh, for that reason, hockey makes my list at number five. All right, so let's go back to Brian now. Keep this going in a circle. All right, well, at number four, I went with Ryan Gosling, also known as the sexiest guy on the planet. <laughs> if, I, if I could look like anyone, it would definitely be him. I have literally have gone to the haircut place, and the lady has asked me, how would you like your hair done? Like, I told her, like, if there's any way you can make me look like Ryan Gosling. Not a bad, not a bad request. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's pretty good request, but it's probably not doable, unfortunately, (laughs) unless if you give a huge tip, but, um, that did not pan out. Um, but even, even after his looks, he's also a terrific actor. He's was great in the notebook and he was great in, La La Land. It was actually better than I thought it would be, and he's also in my um, stars in one of my favorite romantic comedies ever, which is Crazy Stupid Love. And um, it's a if great movie. Seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. If you guys have seen that movie, you would definitely enjoy those scenes where he teaches Steve Carell and like how to, um, you know, find find another woman with after his um, his well, not divorce, but 
separation with his wife in the movie. So Brian Gosling yeah. is my number Holding four. Holding it down for Canada, Ryan Gosling. I like that. Uh, my my number four has, is somewhat related to uh, Ryan Gosling in that uh, it's IMAX. IMAX was invented in Canada by some Canadian guy I've never heard of. And uh, it's one of my <laughs> favorite ways to see a movie. I love having that basketball court-sized screen up in front of me and having the volume blasting. Uh, into my ears it's uh i i think the last imax movie i saw was dunkirk and in my opinion that's the only way to see that movie because you really get the full impact of the explosions and uh and like the landscapes that you see or i guess the seascapes that you see uh in that movie so uh thank you canada for bringing us imax yeah i actually saw the uh the newest avengers movie in imax Uh, i saw it in both imax 3d and in 2d I love IMAX, not a big fan of 3D, so I enjoyed the, the second 2D showing I saw a little more, but IMAX theater is very cool. Um, I know that a lot of museums, when they have like videos and movies that they play, they'll have them on really big, cool IMAX st- type screens and definitely makes a very entertaining viewing experience uh, for yeah, a movie like Dunkirk, I'm sure was phenomenal to see in IMAX. So... My number four is Seth Rogen. And while Seth Rogen probably isn't my favorite uh, comedian um, actor of all time, he has made a lot of fantastic movies, and that's why he has to be included in my list. He's had eight movies where he has played some kind of a starring role in uh, that are rated 80% or higher on Rotten Tomatoes. The highest is 50-50 at 94%. I actually have not seen that movie, but some of the ones that he has made that I loved, Superbad, 40-Year-Old Version, Sasha's Party, This Is The End. Uh, You can keep going down in some of his less popular movies, like The Interview, 52%. I thought that movie was hilarious. Uh, And I, I, to me, just like all of the great movies that he has done, that's uh, the reason why Seth Rogen makes my top five. Oh, yeah. The Interview. The Interview and uh, Four-Year-Old Virgin are my two favorites. Yeah, he's great. I mean, uh, Seth Rogen has made so many things. And I think that having something like The Interview that's, like, not as well-received, just it's almost a positive for him because he doesn't just make movies that are, like, enjoyable for the populace. He makes movies that seems like he genuinely enjoys making. Yeah. A lot of them cover topics that he seems passionate about, and and he makes them with his friends. So how can you not like yeah. that? Oh, it's yeah, like super bad. It's literally the the story of him and his childhood best friend, um, who is the the actor of or not the actor, the the producer of almost all of his movies. Um, and yeah, super bad is is probably my favorite comedy of all time. All right, so I'm up again. Yeah. Um. So for my number three, I went with Jim Carrey. And just simply just because he's, you know, one of the funniest people alive. I also love a lot of his movies, including uh, Liar, Liar, Fun with Dick and Jane, uh, Ace Ventura, and uh, Bruce Almighty for sure. And what's crazy is that in Dumber and Dumber, you guys know, have you guys ever seen the movie Dumber and Dumber? Okay, well, the scene where um, that's created as like a meme where... He's like, so you're telling me that, so you're telling me there's yeah, a chance, yeah. right? What I found out the other day, right? He actually was once previously married to that girl from that movie. So one in a million chance 
like <laughs> you're telling me there really is a chance wow. <laughs> that how crazy is that wow. so <laughs> i did not know that so it was only for a year but just the fact that he was actually married to her like at one point so there really was a chance nice. so Interesting. for number three i went with Jim i didn't Kay. even know he was from canada so that's two fun facts for me um, my number three is another actor as well, Mike Myers uh, from Scarborough, Canada. And uh, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, it, this one goes without saying. Shrek and uh, Austin Powers. Enough said. Mike Myers, a yep. legend, and yep. straight out of Scarborough, Canada, representing hard for his country. Yeah, great choice of Mike Myers. That's a nice run on uh, comic actors here. So I'm gonna mix it up a little bit. My number three, and that is maple syrup. Uh, and if I'm, so I love pancakes, waffles, French toast. We can, we can debate the order of those another time, but all of those, I have to have them with syrup. And while I appreciate my, my aunt Jemima and Mrs. Buttersworth, I am a big fan of pure Canadian maple syrup. Uh, 70% of the world's maple syrup comes from Quebec and in Canada, in order for someone to be considered maple syrup, it needs to be exclusively from maple sap and 66% sugar. So you know you're getting that pure sweet stuff. Uh, the one time I went, went to Montreal a few years ago, we were sure to bring back some of that Canadian maple syrup uh, to the States. And very enjoyable uh, having that with my breakfast foods. So to me, that is why maple syrup, while it's kind of kind of cliche to say maple syrup from canada i do think it is very much deserving to be in the top five and number three on my list yeah their, their uh, flag was inspired by ma- maple syrup right yeah it's a the maple leaf <laughs> <laughs> i went to canada last week and i didn't even do that <laughs> <laughs> and if you're curious i only went to niagara falls okay so you weren't you weren't in the heart of maple syrup country so no <laughs> Just waterfall country. <laughs> All right. So for my number two, I went with Avril Lavigne. And yeah, the reason why is she got me through so many tough times <laughs> in elementary and middle school. Like Taylor Swift caught on through middle and high school. But for elementary and middle school, it was Avril Lavigne with, you know, complicated skater boy. I could go on and on with all of her songs. Um, one story I have to tell, though, um, her song girlfriend right me and my cousins were going to um pick up one of my cousin's girlfriends from school right and she's about to get in the car right and me and my cousin uh we're in the back and my cousin takes my phone scrolls through my playlist and then right when she enters the car my cousin plays Girl, the song "Girlfriend," and you know how it starts out: "Hey, hey, you, you, I don't like your girlfriend." <laughs> so it's a yep. great, great first impression for 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 me and uh, her and the rest of us. Brian wanted to so express his opinion through song. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you guys heard the conspiracy theory about Avril Lavigne? No. No. What is it? Oh, so uh, I don't know the reasoning why this is a uh, a theory. But there's an idea that she actually committed suicide in 2002 and was replaced by a totally different girl who has been pretending to oh, be I've Avril Lavigne for the last 16 plus years now. Could they just do a DNA thing? 
at all. I mean, I don't know if anyone has actually like gone into science on this. I think it's just the the deep dark side of the internet. But yeah, why? The idea was... Why though? So I I don't remember the actual like reasoning of why people like why she would have killed herself, but I think it it had to do with someone else dying and being upset about it. Um, I don't. I'd have to look into that origin even further. Who died in two thousand two? It was like a a family member or a friend or something. Oh, okay. And the idea was that a friend uh, or like someone else who looks close to her replaced her and is pretending to be Avril Lavigne. So it didn't come out that Avril Lavigne committed suicide. Hmm. I, yeah. Uh, so that, that's one of those crazy conspiracy theories. So. <laughs> well, call up MythBusters and see if they can figure it out. Yeah. But um. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna move up, move forward with my number two. And honestly, this whole list was pretty educational for me because I was pretty ignorant to the things that had come from Canada, or at least like the ones that aren't named Drake or uh, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. Yeah. Uh, but Keanu Reeves, one of my favorite actors, I found out is Canadian. I mean, starting off with the first film that I saw him in, or the first, the earliest uh, film that he made that I've seen, which is uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes. Ah, and, fantastic uh, movie. You know, and I mean, he was in Point Break. He was in The Matrix, John Wick. I mean, this guy is an amazing actor. And I've heard he's a, a, an actually uh, an amazing person, too. Uh, during, like, the height of the Me Too movement, uh, there was, like, a phony article put out that, like, all these women came forward to, like, accuse Keanu Reeves of, like, taking them on really nice dates and treating them really nicely. <laughs> like, because he's just generally known as such a, a, a good guy. Uh, so... Again, representing Canada very well with some of these celebrities. Uh, Keanu Reeves makes it to my number yep. two spot. Yeah, I've heard those similar great things to Keanu Reeves, and I'm very appreciative of the shout-out to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because that's, that's one of my favorite movies. So that movie is uh, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fan- fantastic uh, shout-out there. So my number two is the only thing on my list that I didn't previously know was from Canada. And that is peanut butter. Um, so peanut butter was actually first created by a Montreal pharmacist in 1884. And the idea uh, was that it would be good for people who had struggle chewing. And uh, obviously it's for a lot more than anyone who can't chew. I put peanut butter in so many things. Uh, I know the inaugural podcast, or top five, is chocolate fillings. And I had peanut butter number one. But it's for so much more than chocolate uh, whether it's just a, a simple PB&J sandwich, you know, putting on crackers, or uh, I love to make peanut butter toast. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of peanut butter, and uh, knowing that Canada gave it to us, that's definitely a great reason to love Canada. Yeah, no, I actually I didn't know that either. That peanut butter came from Canada, so that's a pretty that's a I pretty solid either. All right, so uh, for my number one, I went with hockey. And, I mean, I like Corey said earlier, when he picked hockey at number five, I absolutely love, um, you know, playoff hockey and Stanley Cup hockey. I mean, there's, in my opinion, no no better postseason. And, but even besides the postseason, I actually do follow the sport a ton. Uh, I did not play the sport a lot. Uh, or I didn't excuse me I didn't play the sport at all like I only played like what Corey said um, like you know on the road or like knee hockey or whatever mm-hmm. um, but it's just definitely a sport I enjoy and the reason why I, I 
I can't, I couldn't play hockey because I just couldn't skate at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the last, I mean, the first time I ever, um, I skated was at a, um, fourth grade birthday party. And as I was learning how to skate, um, there was a lady who accidentally tripped me. And because of that, I went face first into the ice and there was blood oh, all over no. the place. <laughs> yeah. So wow. I know for sure out of all the pro sports or any sport, like I would definitely fail at hockey the hardest. But even so, I still um, enjoy the sport very much, especially Bruins hockey. Well, maybe not that much because I've been disappointed a lot by by the Bruins in the past several years. <laughs> but even so, uh, I absolutely love hockey and I put hockey as my number. No, I'm I'm with you there, Brian. I actually, being from the uh, southeast, I didn't skate for the I skated for the first time this winter when I went home for Christmas, and wow, it was hard. I instantly gained a lot of respect for all hockey players as soon as I stepped on that ice because not only are they ice skating, they're doing a completely other set of things just on ice, which is. Uh, which is pretty amazing. I, I even have like massive respect for hockey referees because they have to get out of the <laughs> yep. way of these guys and yep. try to you know make sure that they're following the rules. So uh, I think Dingit definitely deserves to be high on this list. Yeah. Oh, it is so crazy how difficult ice skating is, and like how how little of a role in terms of like the actual hockey it plays, other than the fact that they're on ice. There's so many other things that. Uh, determine a good hockey player versus their ability to just do figure eights around the ice. Yeah, I, I, to play hockey, I can't even do the first thing: learn how to skate. <laughs> how am I going to yep. do? Like, how am I going to score goals, pass the puck, hit other guys at the same time? Yeah, it's uh, definitely a difficult sport, but it's a it's a solid sport nonetheless. So that leads me to my number one, and uh, the number one for my things from Canada is. Alex Trebek, <laughs> which again, I totally didn't know this guy was from Canada. I love Alex Trebek. I love Jeopardy. Uh, Jeopardy is one of the few game shows that I can watch, you know, episode after episode after episode and never get bored because I think they have a really well set up game show there that, you know, anyone can play, but also the most skilled players can separate themselves from the pack. Uh, just ask Ken Jennings. And uh, it wouldn't be half as enjoyable in my opinion if we didn't have the steady uh guidance of the host alex trebek and uh he's 77 years old born in greater sudbury canada standing at five foot eight this man is an absolute legend and i think he well deserved of the number one spot on my top five things from canada uh, alex trebek is a phenomenal game show host definitely one of the best out there and uh very well deserving of your number one spot in your top five. So to uh, finish things up, we have my number one, and that is the great Sid the Kid, Sidney Crosby, Pittsburgh Penguins superstar, three-time Stanley Cup champion, two-time Conn Smythe winner, two-time Hart Memorial, Memorial Trophy winner, and two-time Olympic gold medalist for Canada. Sidney Crosby is hated by so many people around, like fans around the NHL, because they know he's the best player in the league. I affectionately call him Crosby, 
and especially in oh, recent years, having won two Stanley Cups uh, for the Penguins, winning the Conn Smythe as the MVP of the playoffs in both uh, 2016 and 2017. Sidney Crosby has made my life great, and uh, I could not think of a, a person or a thing from Canada to put above him as uh, my number one in this top five. So uh, with that, we're ready to wrap things up for this episode. Um, so thank you, Brian, for, for joining us again. Uh, we hope to get you back on a podcast in the near future. and Probably sometime during football season. Yeah, definitely get you on during football season. Yeah, Brian. That'll be one where all three of us can can hold our own in that you're you're my number one brian on my top five now after making another <laughs> appearance on the podcast <laughs> really appreciate that all right so yeah as a reminder uh you know rate rate subscribe review do everything you need to uh we're on soundcloud we're not we're on apple podcasts so uh you know keep keep giving us a listen and uh we'll we'll keep putting these out for you so do either of you have any closing thoughts I don't like either of your lists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh thank you, Paul George and uh Viva La France that they're gonna win the World Cup. Alright, we'll see about that. Thanks everyone.